Ashley Brock, reading Diane Palmer's book, Donovan, Chapter 2. The feedlot office was quiet, and Faye York was grateful for the respite. It had been a hectic two weeks since she started this, her first job. She was still faintly amazed at her own courage and grit because she never thought she'd be able to actually do it. She surprised her Uncle Harry as much as herself when she announced her plans to get a job and become independent until her inheritance came through. It had been because of Donovan that she'd done it. Her evening with him had changed her life. He'd made it possible for her to believe in herself. He'd given her a kind of self-confidence that she hadn't thought possible. But it hadn't been easy, and she'd been scared to death the morning she walked into the office of the gigantic Ballinger feedlot to ask for a job. Barry Holman, the local attorney who was to handle her inheritance, had suggested that she see Justin Ballinger about work because his secretary was out having a baby and Calhoun Ballinger's wife, Abby, had been reluctantly filling in. She could still remember her shock when she'd gone to Mr. Holman to ask for a living allowance until her inheritance came through, something that would give her a little independence from her overbearing uncle. That was when the blow fell. I'm sorry, Holman said, but there's no provision for any living allowance. According to the terms of the will, you can't inherit until you're 21. Until that time, the exeter of your parents' estate has total control of your money. She gasped. You mean I don't have any money unless Uncle Harry gives it to me? I'm afraid so, he said. I realize it probably seems terribly unfair to you, Faye, but your parents must have thought they were doing the right thing. I can't believe it, she said, feeling sick. She wrapped her arms around Bernie. What will I do? What you originally planned. Go ahead and get a job. You only need it for a couple of weeks until you get your inheritance. The statement helped her fight out of her misery, and voluntarily she smiled, like in the blonde attorney. He was in his early 30s, very good looking and successful. He was married because of his desk was a photograph of a young woman with a long brown hair holding a baby. Thank you, she said. Oh, it's my pleasure. Don't worry. You won't even have to look far for a job. I just happen to know of an opening. Know anything about cattle? She has to take Not really. You mind working around them? Not if I don't have to brand them, she murmured dryly. He laughed. It won't come to that. The Ballinger brothers are looking for temporary secretary. They're full-time. One was pregnant and just had a complicated delivery. She'll be out about two months, and they're looking for someone to fill in. Callum Boundary's wife has been trying to handle it, but you'd be a godsend right now. Can you type? Oh, yes, she said. I can handle a computer, too. I took several college courses before my parents died, and I had to come out here to comply with the terms of their will. Good. But surely they found someone. They aren't that many people available for part-time work, he said. Mostly high school students, and they don't like the environment that goes with the job. She grinned. I won't care, as long as I make enough to pay my rent. You will. Here, he scribbled an address. Go and see Justin or Calhoun. Tell them I sent you. Trust me. He had a reason to shake her hands with her. You'll like them. I hope so. I sure don't like my uncle much at the moment. <laughs> he nodded. I can understand that. But Henry isn't a bad man, you know. And there could be more to this than meets the eye. He added reluctantly. The statement gave her cold chills. The way Uncle Henry had been throwing her headlong at a rich bachelor friend of his made her uneasy. I suppose so, she hesitated. Do you know just how my uncle's been managing my affairs in the past two months? Not yet, Barry Holman replied. I've asked for an accountant accounting, but he's refused to turn over any documents to me until the day you turn 21. 
That doesn't sound promising, she said nervously. I understand my father to say he had at least $2 million tied up in trust for me. Surely Uncle Henry couldn't have gone through that in a few weeks, could he? I hardly think so, he assured her. Don't worry, everything will be all right. Go and see the Ballingers. Good luck. I think I'll need it, but thanks. Thanks for your help. She said as she left the office, the Ballinger feedlot was a mammoth operation. During the short time she'd been in Jacobsville, Faye had never gotten a good look at it. Now up close, the sheer enormity of it was staggering. So was the relative cleanliness of the operation and the attention to sanitation. It was Justin Ballinger who interviewed her. He was, he was tall and rangy, not at all handsome, but kind and courteous. You understand that this would only be temporary job, he emphasized leaning forward. Our secretary, Nita, is only going to be out long enough to recuperate from her C-section and have a few weeks with her new baby. Yes, Mr. Holman told me about that. I said, I don't mind. I only need something temporary until I get used to being on my own. I was living with my uncle, but the situation was pretty uncomfortable. Without meaning to, she went on to explain what had happened, finding it... Finding in Justin a sympathetic listener. Justin Dark your uncle is a mercenary man. I think you did the right thing. Make sure Barry keeps a close watch on your holdings. He's doing that, she gnawed her lower lip, wearing you won't mention it to anyone? <laughs> it's nobody's business but yours, he agreed. As far as we know, you're strictly a working girl who had a minor disagreement with a kid. Fair enough. Yes, sir, she said, smiling. Not really much more than a working girl, since everything is tied up in trust, but only for a few more weeks, she smiled. Money doesn't really mean that much to me. Honestly, I'd rather marry someone who loved me than someone who just wanted an easy life. <laughs> You're a wise girl, he replied quietly. Shelby and I both felt like that. We're not poor, but it wouldn't matter if we were. We have each other and our boys. We're very lucky. She smiled because she heard about Shelby Ballinger and the circumstances that had finally led to her marriage to Justin. It was a real love story. Maybe I'll get lucky like that one day. She said, thinking about Donovan. Well, if you want the job under those conditions, it's yours. He said after a minute, welcome aboard. Come on, I'll introduce you to my brother. He proceeded... He preceded her down the hall, where a tall blonde man was pouring over finger figures on sheets of paper scattered all over his desk. This is Faye York, he said, introducing her. Faye, my brother Calhoun, nice to meet you, he said sincerely and shook hands. I hope I can help you keep things in order while Anita's away. <laughs> nice to meet you, she said sincerely and shook hands. I hope I can help you keep things in order while Anita's away. Abby will get down and kiss your shoes, Calhoun assured her. She's been trying to keep one of our boys in school and the other two in daycare and take care of the house while she's working at Nita's place this week. She's already threatened to open all the gates if we didn't do something to help her. I'm glad I needed the job then, she said. So are we. Abby came barreling in with an armload of files, her black hair askew around her face, her blue-gray eyes wide and curious, and the face green ones. Please be my replacement, she said with such fever that Faye laughed helplessly. Do you take bribes? I can get real chocolate truffles and mocha ice cream. No need. I've already accepted your job. Well, Nita, is that with her baby? Faye turned the other one. Oh, thank God, she said, dropping the files on her husband's desk. She grinned at Calhoun. Thank you, too, darling. I'll make you a big beef stew for tonight with homemade rolls. <laughs> Don't just stand there, go home. He burst out. 
He grins sheepishly at me. She makes the best rolls in town. I've been eating hot dogs for so many days that I bark because it's all I can cook. This has been hard on my stomach. And on my stamina. Davila, the boys have missed me. Well, I'll show you what to do, Faye. Then I'll rush right home and start dough rising. Faye followed her back to the desk out front and listened carefully and made notes while I briefed her on the routine, showed her how to file in in the form. She went over the basics of feedlot operation as well so that Faye would understand what she was doing. You make it sound very easy, but it isn't, is it? <laughs> no, Happy agreed, especially when you do with some of our clients. J.D. Langley alone is enough to make a saint throw in the towel. Is he a rancher? He's a... Cleared her through. Abby cleared her through. Yes, he's a rancher, but most of the cattle he deals in are other people. He's general manager of the Mesa Blanco Ranch Combine. <laughs> I don't know much about ranching, but I've heard of them. Most everybody has. JD's good at his job, don't get me wrong, but he's a perfectionist when it comes to diet and handling of cattle. He saw one of the men use a cattle prod on some of his stock once, and he jumped the man right over a rail. He can't afford to turn down his business. Can't afford to turn down his business, but he makes things difficult. You'll find that out for yourself. Nobody crosses JD around Jacobsville. Is he rich? No. He has plenty of power because of the job he does for Misa Blanca, but it's his temperament that makes people jump when he speaks. JD would be, arrog would be arrogant in rags. He's just that kind of man. Abby's description brought to mind another man, a rangy cowboy who'd given her the most magical evening of her life. She smiled sadly, thinking that she'd probably never see him again. Walking into that bar had been an act of desperation and bravado. She'd never have the nerve to do it twice. It would look as if she were chasing him, and he said at the time that there was no future in it. She'd driven by the bar two or three times, but she couldn't manage enough courage to go in again. Is Mr. Langley married? Yes. There's no woman brave enough anywhere. Abby said shortly. His father married sour. His father's marriage soured him on women. He's been something of a playboy in past years, but he's settled somewhat since he's been managing the Meso Blanco comp companies. There's a new president of the company who's a hardline conservative, so JD's toned down his playboy image. There's talk of the president giving that job to a man who's married and settled in has kids. The only child in JD's life ever is a nephew in Houston. His sister shall his sister died. She shook her head. I can't really imagine JD with a child. He isn't the fatherly type. Is he really that bad? <laughs> Abby nodded. He was actually he's always difficult, but his father's remarriage and then his death left scars. These days he's a dangerous man to be around, even for other men. Calhoun leaves the office when he's yeah. due to check on his stock. Justin seems like him. Justin seems to like him, but Calhoun almost came to blow with him once. <laughs> Is he here very often? <laughs> yes, with obvious reluctance. Every other week, like clockwork. Then I'm very glad I won't be around long, she said with, with feeling. Happy life, not to worry. He'll, he'll barely notice you. It's Calhoun and Justin who get the range language. I feel better already, she said. Her first day was tiring, but by the end of it, she knew how many records had to be compiled each day in her individual lots of cattle. <sighs> each individual lot of cattle. She learned volumes about weight gain ratios, feed supplements, veterinarian services, daily chores, and form filing. 
If it sounded simple just to feed cattle, it wasn't. There are hundreds of details to be attended to and printouts of daily averages to be compiled for clients. As the day went by and she fell into the routine of the job, Faye couldn't help but wonder if Donovan ever came here. He was a foreman for a ranch. He told her if that ranch had feeding feeder cattle, this was probably where they'd be bought, brought. But from what she learned, it was sub subordinates who dealt with the logistics of the transporting of feeding cattle, not the bosses. She wanted badly to see him to tell him how big of an impact he had on her life with his pep talk that night she'd gone to the bar. Her horizons had enlarged and she was independent for the first time in her life. She'd gone from frightening girl to confident woman in a very short time and she wanted to thank him. She almost asked Abby a dozen times if she knew anyone named Donovan, but Abby would hardly travel in those circles. The Ballingers were highly high society now, even if they weren't social types. They wouldn't hang out in country bars with men who tread them. Her uncle had tried to get her to come back to his house when word got out that she was working for a living, but she stood firm. No, she told Uncle Henry firmly, she wasn't going to be at his mercy until she inherited. And she added Mr. Holman was going to expect an accounting in the near future. Her uncle had looked very uncomfortable when she said that, and she called Barry Holman the next morning to ask about her uncle's attorney authority to act on her behalf. His reply was that her uncle's power of attorney was a very limited one, and it was doubtful that he could do much damage in the short time he had left. Faye wondered about that. Her uncle was screwed and underhanded. Heaven knew what willing and dealing he might have done already without her knowledge. Pressure of work caught her attention and held it until the, that the early afternoon. She took long enough to eat lunch at a nearby seafood place, came back just in time to catch the tall end of a heated argument coming from Calhoun's office. You're being unreasonable, J.D., and you know it. Calhoun's deep voice carried down a unreasonable hell. An equally deep voice drawled, You and I may never see eye to eye on production methods, but while you're feeding out my cattle, you'll do it my way. For God's sake, you have me out there feeding the damn things with a fork. Not at all. I only want them treated humanely. They are treated humanely. I wouldn't call an electric cattle prod. That and stresses animals aren't healthy animals. Have you ever thought about joining an animal rights lobby? Came the exasperated reply. I belong to two. Thanks. The door opened and they couldn't drag her eyes away from it. The current voice was so familiar. Sure enough, the tall, lithe man who came out of the office in front of Calhoun was equally familiar. They couldn't help the radiance of her face. The softness of her eyes as they adored his lean, dark face under the wide brim of his hat. Donovan, she could have danced on her desk, but when he turned and saw her, he frowned. His silvery eyes narrowed, glittered. He paused by her desk, his head cocked slightly to one side, while his cigarette dangled from his finger. What are you doing here? He asked her bluntly. I'm filling in for Nita Sugan. Don't tell me you have to work for a living now, debutante. He asked in a mocking tone. He hesitated. He sounded as if he disliked her. But she knew he'd enjoyed the fiesta as much as she had. His behavior puzzled her, intimidated her. Well, yes, she's never gonna do. And she did for the time being. <laughs> what a hell of a calm down, he murmured with patient disbelief. Still driving the Mercedes. You know each other? Cowan asked nearly. Donovan lifted a cigar at his mouth and blew out the smoke. Vaguely, he glanced at Calhoun to the other man's side angrily and went back to his office with a muttered goodbye. 
You've been driving by the bar fairly regularly. He remarked courtly. She blushed because she couldn't deny it. She'd been looking for him, hoping to have a chance to tell him how he helped her turn her life around, but he seemed to be putting it in a total different connotation to interaction. Is that where you found out I did business with the Ballingers? He didn't even give her time to deny it. Well, no go, honey. I told you that night, no bored debutante is going to try to make a, ma a minor amusement out of me. So if you come here hoping for another shot at me, you might as well quit right now and go home to your caviar and champagne. You're not hard on the ice, but I'm off the market. Is that clear? She stared at him in quiet confusion. Mr. Holdman told me about the job. She said with what dignity she had left. I don't have a dime until my 21st birthday. I'm living on my own, so I have to pay rent. This was the only job available. She dropped her gaze to her computer. I drove by the bar a time or two, yes. I wanted to tell you that you changed my life. That I was learning to stand on my own two feet. I wanted to take you. His jaw taunted, and he looked more dangerous than ever. I don't want thanks. Teenager out relation, hero worship, or misplaced lust. But you're welcome. If it matters. <laughs> He sounded cynical and mocky. Ray felt chastised. She only been grateful, but he made her feel stupid. Maybe she was. She spun a few midnight dreams about him. Except for some very innocent dates with boys, she'd never had much attention from the opposite sex. His protective attitude that night in the bar, his quiet handling of what could have been come a bad incident, had made her feel feminine and hungry for more of his company. He was telling her that she made too much of it, that she was offering him affection that he didn't want or need. It was probably a kindness, but it hurt all the same. She forced a smile. You needn't, you needn't worry. I wasn't planning to follow you around with a wedding band on a hook or anything. I just wanted to thank you for what you did. You've done that, so? I have a lot of work to get through. I'm only temporary. She had to quickly. Just until Nita comes back, when I give my legacy, I'll be on the first plane back to Georgia. Honest. His dark eyebrows plunged above the straight bridge of his nose. I don't remember asking for any explanations. Excuse me, then. She turned her attention back to her keyboard. Her hands were cold and numb. She forced them to work. She didn't look up either. He made her feel like what came out of a sausage grinder. He didn't reply. He didn't linger either. He, His measured footsteps went out the door immediately, leaving the pungent scent of cigar smoke in their wake. Callion came back out five minutes later, checking his mind. I would be out of the office for an hour or so. Tell Justin when he comes back, will you? Yes, sir, she said, smiling. He hesitated, his narrow eyes registering the hurt on her face that she could not. Listen, Faye, don't let him upset you. He had a quiet. He doesn't really mean things as personal as they sound, but he rubs everybody the wrong way except Justin. He saved me from a bad situation, and I only wanted to thank him, but he seemed to think I had designs on him or something. My goodness, he thought I came to work here because he did business with you. Hello. Can't blame him. Several have. And no, I'm not kidding. The more he snarls, the harder women chase him. He's a catch, too. He makes good money with Miss Blanca, and he's own, and his own ranch is nothing to laugh at. Miss Blanca? She's dumb with a puzzle piece. beginning to make a pattern in her mind. Sure, didn't, you, didn't he introduce himself before? He's my I guess not. Well, that was J.D. Langley. End of chapter two.